Hey there, and welcome to the Jeff MacArthur Podcast for Monday, September 28th. Coming up, the World Series and the Stanley Cup. Is anybody paying attention? The highest number of COVID cases in the province at 700. And as staff test positive at two King Street restaurants, is it time to go back to lockdown? All of that coming up right now on the podcast. All right, let's take a quick and I think much needed break from all of today's COVID news. Blue Jays are in the playoffs, and things kick off tomorrow night against the Tampa Bay Rays. Here's our buddy, buddy uh, Rick Zamprin from 900 CHML in Hamilton. He joins us now here on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. Hey, Rick, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Great to be talking sports as opposed to uh, the other heavy issues of the day. Absolutely. And set us up, uh, set this up for us, if you could. Because of the pandemic, the Major League Baseball playoffs, Rick, uh, they're a little different this year. They are really a lot different this year because, uh, well, for number one, there's a lot more teams. Instead of the usual 10, there are 16 teams uh, overall, both the American and National Leagues, that are going to participate in the playoffs, which begin, as you mentioned, tomorrow. Um, The big difference being with more teams, now there are best of three wild card series, which the Blue Jays are involved with, starting uh, with round number one with Tampa Bay. But further to that, once they get to... I guess would be the AL and NL um, championship series. Uh, those will be played in bubble cities. So the American League uh, championship series will be played in San Diego. The National League championship series is going to be played in Texas. And then the World Series will also be played in the bubble city, if you will, of Texas. So those are probably the biggest differences from playoff years uh, gone by. Okay, that kind of disappoints me because I was really hoping we'd see the World Series in Buffalo, in that minor league park. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Sunday's game against the Orioles was the last game in Buffalo. We hope, you know, knock on wood, that we're not back to this situation in 2021. Uh, but yeah, the, the Jays will primarily be on the road uh, from here on in uh, because they are the eighth seed. They're not going to get to host anybody because there's no seeds lower than eight. So they'll be on the road uh, from here on in. Well, really, they've been on the road all season, uh, obviously. Yeah. And I mean, the Jays, this could be historic, right? I mean, I don't know any team in professional sports that could win their league's championship and never play a single game, never mind in their own city, but in their own country, Rick. That would be, yeah, I mean, I don't, think, I don't think that's ever happened. And, you know, when you consider everything that's gone on this year, you know, COVID, the Jays not being allowed to play at the Dome, uh, you know, some, some roster tweaks, some injuries, um, you know, a lot of new players, a new ace on the staff. You know, you've got to give the Jays a pat on the back. Uh, for not only toughing it out in 2020, but they got the job done. I mean, to be 32 and 28, to be you know a game back of the Yankees for second in the AL East, that that's that's an amazing year. And anything from here on in, I think, is gravy. How'd they get here? How'd they get this done? Well, I think they got it done with some fantastic play on the field. I think that, that that's that's first and foremost that comes to mind because. When you think of guys like Teoscar Hernandez, who have a lot of talent, but never have really put it all together in one season, he's been great this year. Randall Gritchick had great stretches. Kevin Biggio and Bo Bichette were on fire from the start of the year. Vladdy's gotten hot down the stretch. Hyunjin Ryu, their marquee free agent acquisition from the Dodgers, has been not spectacular, but he has been solid through and through. And, and he's had a great regular season record against the Rays. 1-0, and a 2.57 ERA, uh, 14 strikeouts. He's only balked a few. He's been really good. Um, and Charlie Montoyo, I think, has 
you know, has pressed all the right buttons, or at least most of the buttons that needed to be pressed in terms of players that were going to be called up, managing within the game, uh, you know, dealing with, you know, the circumstances and the cards that this team has been dealt with. And I'm not sure if they're playing with a chip on their shoulder because of everything that's happened, but I think they're playing with a, hey, we have, we have nothing to lose here. We're a young, up-and-coming team. Let's give it our all, and it's, it's showing in their play. Yeah, first time the Jays have been in the playoffs since 2016, and that team is obviously remembered fondly. I mean, we're talking about Baptista, Donaldson, Encarnacion. Are we looking at kind of a similar setup here in 2020 with uh, Guerrero, Biggio, Bichette? I mean, are these really the franchise players that uh, Toronto is going to fall in love all over again with uh, like they did that 2016 team, do you think? I, I think so, but I think this team is more reminiscent of that one in the early 80s where you know you have Tony Fernandez and Domaso Garcia and Lloyd Mosby, uh, Willie Upshaw, uh, Ernie Witt and Buck Martinez behind the plate, Dave Steeb on the mound. Um, uh, you know, all these guys, Jimmy Key, all these guys kind of coming together in their early to mid kind of 20s. Um, and they just kind of developed into this powerhouse team of the mid to late 80s. And I think that's kind of, you know, let's hope that's kind of what we're seeing here with this Blue Jays team. A lot of young, a lot of raw talent in some instances, but a team that has really quickly come together. And I think, you know, being forced into the, 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 the hotel at the Dome for a couple of weeks during uh, their training camp and then having to be shipped to Buffalo, I think this team really got close really quickly. I think that's really benefited them. Do they have a legitimate shot at the title, do you think? Can this team win the World Series? Well, I didn't say that the Nationals had a shot at winning last year. Uh, the Nationals had a lot more talent, at least on paper, than the Blue Jays. In short, you know, anything can happen. Uh, I think this first series against the Rays is going to be very difficult. Tampa Bay is a solid team from top to bottom. They don't have a lot of holes. They can hit. They can play the field. They hustle. They run the bases well. Pitching staff's great. Awesome bullpen. Uh, you know, a manager is not, you know, afraid to do what needs to be done to get the W. But it's a best of three. So, you know, Toronto wins game one tomorrow. All the pressure is on the Rays. They're the top seed. They should win this series. The Jays win this first opening series, who knows what happens. I would not put it past this team that is really kind of naive to what they should be doing uh, to, to making a dent in these playoffs. It would be fantastic to see. All right. Uh, before I let you go, uh, Rick, uh, speaking of championships, the Stanley Cup could be awarded tonight. I think you might be hard-pressed to walk down the city streets here in Toronto and find five people in a row that could tell you who is battling for the Stanley Cup. I mean, I might be completely uh, wrong, but uh, do you think that the Stanley Cup final has really captured uh, hockey fans' attention? No, the, the, I think the luster has been lost a little bit, especially when all the Canadian teams got booted. Uh, you know, certainly when the Leafs are battling Columbus in this neck of the woods, you know, all eyes are on the ice. But ever since I think the conference championships came about, there was a lot of interest lost. Let's not forget the weather has been you know, primarily good this, this summer. There's other things we want to do because of the pandemic. And, you know, we were, I think, shut in. Uh, inside for far too long, and I, I just don't think we want to see two teams from the Sun Belt battle it out for the Stanley Cup. So, well, you know, one of these two teams is going to be champions without an asterisk, I think. Um, yeah, the number of Canadians, the number of Americans uh, are not going to be as high as previous years in terms of viewership. All right, well, listen, we wish Colorado best of luck tonight. <laughs> What's, oh, sorry. No, it's Dallas and Tampa. Yeah. <laughs> Rick, thanks as always. Appreciate the time. Anytime. Take care. Rick Zamprin from 900 CHML in Hamilton.
there's not one measurement that tells you the whole story. So you have to look at this from many different angles in order to get a more uh, accurate picture. So on the one hand, yes, we've got in Ontario 700 new cases. Uh, I regret to inform your audience that uh, uh, Quebec uh, yesterday beat uh, that number. This is not a competition that I want us to be in. Uh, but uh, there's certainly not just in Ontario, but also in Quebec and uh, certainly some other provinces as well, where we're seeing uh, these ongoing increasing numbers of new cases. But some of the other things to put this number in context uh, are what we call the percent positivity. That is the proportion of all the tests done which are positive, right? Because simply put, let's say on one given day, you suddenly doubled the number of tests uh, that you did. Well, uh, you would expect the number of positive cases also to double. So one of the ways you can get around that is by uh, calculating what we call the positivity rate or the positivity ratio. So take the number of new positives, in this case 700, divided by the number of tests that were done on that same day, which I think uh, for Ontario was just over 41,000, and you get a positivity rate of 1.7%. So what does that mean? 1.7% is not uh, ideal control. Generally speaking, you want that rate to be under 1%, but on the same token, usually it's about 5% that what we look at as being an indicator that things are really heading out of control. So 1.7% is not horrible, but that's clearly trending in the wrong wrong direction. That's going to be one rate to watch uh, over the next uh, several days. All right, so that's the answer, sorry to interrupt, for those that are wondering about increased testing. With 41,000 tests done in the province, and the Premier said this several times that uh, Ontario is doing more testing than all other provinces uh, combined. So uh, the increased test numbers uh, do result in uh, increased uh, positive cases. Uh, on an absolute basis, but if you put it in the proportion, then you get a bit of a clearer uh, picture. And the the fact that the positivity rate is trending upwards tells you that proportionally you're still getting more new positive cases. And given the public health data, that this is largely happening from community cases, largely in the younger adults, sort of ages 20 to 40 range, then what this is telling you is that this is, at the moment, largely being driven by community spread. And all the public health data, again, in both of our provinces that I'm aware of says that this is largely being driven by uh, private gatherings, you know, uh, family parties, uh, house parties, uh, things like this. It's not that it's one huge uh, raging fire in one uh, in one uh, business or one group. It's that there's hundreds of little fires all over the place that collectively are still adding up and uh, producing a lot of heat. Hmm. So is it time then, do you think, to reintroduce uh, restrictions or if this is generally all of these small little fires that are burning in private uh, gatherings would you know, clamping down on nightclubs, uh, bars, having malls and businesses uh, shut down all over again. That's not necessarily the answer, do you think, this time around? Uh, it's not. I don't think that that's the uh, most important thing to be doing at the present moment, but you could also make an argument that if you want to get ahead of this uh, and be proactive, that that might be part of the answer. Right now, like I said, this is really in the community setting, but the more disease transmission you have in the community, it's not a surprise that you're going to start to see transmission into more vulnerable sectors, be it uh, the long-term care facilities, which in Ontario 
Ontario certainly got uh, a large number of uh, cases that had very poor outcomes back in the spring. In Quebec, it was the same story with our equivalent, which are called uh, CHSLDs. So uh, uh, the data so far doesn't support that this is largely being driven by bars or restaurants or schools. But you can see how if you have a lot of uh, cases in the community and you don't restrict those, that that could be those could be some of the areas where you could wind up getting uh, a transmission shortly. So uh, I guess what this data does right now is this guides public health in terms of where they need to focus on right now. And I am hoping that uh, the public health authorities in both of our provinces are doing their darndest to do rapid contact tracing because that's really the the essence of uh, effective response is to get uh, people identified and communicated with and in self-isolation promptly to stop the ongoing chains of transmission. 700. That is the eye-popping number that is making headlines not only here in the province, but right across the country. Ontario's new COVID caseload, 700. It is our highest ever daily uh, count, surpassing the 640 confirmed cases we had back at the end of April, on April 24th. By the way, nearly half of those 700 new cases right here in Toronto, almost half of them here in Toronto. Now, earlier this afternoon, I spoke with Dr. Matthew Auden. He's an infectious disease specialist in Montreal to break down these numbers and get some uh, perspective. And I asked him about uh, the 700 uh, caseload today and the amount of testing that has been going on in the province and uh, asked him uh, what these numbers mean to him. There's not one measurement that tells you the whole story, so you have to look at this from many different angles in order to get a more uh, accurate picture. So on the one hand, yes, we've got in Ontario 700 new cases. Uh, I regret to inform your audience that uh, uh, Quebec uh, yesterday beat uh, that number. This is not a competition that I want us to be in, uh, but uh, there's certainly not just in Ontario, but also in Quebec and uh, certainly some other provinces as well where we're seeing uh, these ongoing increasing numbers of new cases. But some of the other things to put this number in context uh, are what we call the percent positivity. That is the proportion of all the tests done which are positive, right? Because simply put, let's say on one given day, you suddenly doubled the number of tests uh, that you did. Well, uh, you would expect the number of positive cases also to double. So one of the ways you can get around that is by uh, calculating what we call the positivity rate or the positivity ratio. So take the number of new positives, in this case 700, divided by the number of tests that were done on that same day, which I think uh, for Ontario was just over 41,000, and you get a positivity rate of 1.7%. So what does that mean? 1.7% is not uh, ideal control. Generally speaking, you want that rate to be under 1%, but on the same token, usually it's about 5% that what we look at as being an indicator that things are really heading out of control. So 1.7% is not horrible, but that's clearly trending in the wrong wrong direction. That's going to be one rate to watch uh, over the next uh, several days. All right, so thing- that's the answer, sorry to interrupt, for those that are wondering about increased testing. With 41,000 tests done in the province, and the Premier said, this several times that uh, Ontario is doing more testing than all other provinces uh, combined. So uh, the increased test numbers uh, do result in uh, increased uh, positive cases. 
uh, on an absolute basis, but if you put it in the proportion, then you get a bit of a clearer uh, picture, and the, the fact that the positivity rate is trending upwards tells you that proportionally you're still getting more new positive cases, and given the public health data that this is largely happening from community cases, largely in the younger adults, sort of ages 20 to 40 range, then what this is telling you is that this is, at the moment, largely being driven by community spread, and all the public health data, again, in both of our provinces that I'm aware of, says that this is largely being driven by uh, private gatherings, you know, uh, family parties, uh, house parties, uh, things like this. It's not that it's one huge uh, raging fire in one uh, in one uh, business or one group. It's that there's hundreds of little fires all over the place that collectively are still adding up and uh, producing a lot of heat. Hmm. So is it time then, do you think, to reintroduce uh, restrictions or if this is generally all of these small little fires that are burning in private uh, gatherings would, you know, clamping down on nightclubs, uh, bars, having malls and businesses uh, shut down all over again, that's not necessarily the answer, do you think, this time around? Uh, it's not. I don't think that that's the uh, most important thing to be doing at the present moment, but you could also make an argument that if you want to get ahead of this uh, and be proactive, that that might be part of the answer. Right now, like I said, this is really in the community setting, but the more disease transmission you have in the community, it's not a surprise that you're going to start to see transmission into more vulnerable sectors, be it uh, the long-term care facilities, which in Ontario certainly got uh, a large number of uh, cases that had very poor outcomes back in the spring. In Quebec, it was the same story with our equivalent, which are called uh, CHSLDs. So uh, uh, the data so far doesn't support that this is largely being driven by bars or restaurants or schools, but you can see how if you have a lot of uh, cases in the community and you don't restrict those, that, that could be, those could be some of the areas where you could wind up getting uh, transmission shortly. So uh, I guess what this data does right now is this guides public health in terms of where they need to focus on right now. And I am hoping that uh, the public health authorities in both of our provinces are doing their darndest to do rapid contact tracing because that's really the the essence of uh, effective response is to get uh, people identified and communicated with and in self-isolation promptly to stop the ongoing chains of transmission. All right, that's Dr. Matthew Auden, an infectious disease specialist in Montreal, with us earlier this afternoon, putting some of these numbers in perspective for us. And speaking of COVID and COVID numbers, some concerning and disappointing news when it comes to Toronto restaurants over the weekend. Toronto Public Health say that seven people, including five staff at Young Street Warehouse, testing COVID positive. Toronto Public Health says approximately, how about this, 1,700 people may have been exposed between September 10th and the 17th because of that outbreak. And also over the weekend, Toronto's Medical Officer of Health, Dr. Eileen Davila, ordered the closure of four hospitality businesses that failed to take necessary precautions. James Roulette is the Vice President of Restaurants Canada and joins us now for more on this on Global News Radio 640 Toronto. James, good afternoon. Nice to have you back on. Uh, thanks for having me. First of all, what is Restaurant uh, Restaurants Canada's reaction to this uh, news regarding these uh, restaurants and businesses uh, from the weekend? Well, mainly we're disappointed. Uh, almost every restaurant and uh, um, food service establishment is being uh, responsible. They are doing the right thing. They are trying to protect everyone. Um, and uh, unfortunately, you see a few like this that are 
are letting the rest of us down. Yeah, how damaging is this for a business and an industry? As we've spoken several times over the last few months, that's you know quite barely holding on. It's it's horrible. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's our reputation on the line. Uh, we've always said that restaurants are doing their utmost to make keep people safe, and they are keeping people safe. Um, and then if something like this comes along, it just uh, uh, it threatens to undo all the uh, positives that we've done over the last six months. Yeah, I mean, some of the reports from Dr. Davila, Toronto's uh, chief uh, medical uh, officer here, are that uh, they were uncooperative, uh, some of these uh, businesses, that they were pressuring employees to work when they said that they were feeling or reported that they were ill. As a matter of fact, uh, one business reportedly was uh, serving food buffet style. You know, it's a disappointment. <laughs> I'll have to say it again. It's uh, you know, our industry is very responsible. We uh, we try and do our utmost. We almost everybody is is working so hard and have sacrificed so much. And then to see a a, a few just wreck it for everyone else is it's disappointing for our industry. It's also disappointing for our our society. Yeah, what would you say, James, to those who were thinking perhaps of going back into a, a restaurant and then they see this news from the weekend? I don't think anything's changed. It's obvious that uh, there are um, a couple like these that uh, are uh, not behaving. Um, but it's very clear to patrons if they are or not. And I think the patrons would know if you go in and there's a uh, and there's a buffet. It's obvious that that they, these this restaurant isn't following the rules. So you know automatically if if they're overcrowding. You know automatically. So if you walk into a restaurant and you see that the um, staff is taking it seriously you see the patrons are taking it seriously and everyone's following the rules um, you can be per- perfectly safe and, and be uh, um, uh, comfortable in uh, in your experience um, but if there's any warning signs that you see like like, like buffets or or like uh, physical distancing or, or overcrowding uh, turn around and go somewhere else yeah. What have you heard from restaurant owners, if anything, and uh, those with Restaurants uh, Canada? I mean, are they frustrated by the uh, actions of these uh, restaurants? Uh, again, serving buffet style. Uh, again, it just does not help the cause for the restaurant industry uh, as a whole, obviously. Yeah, frustrated is a good word, but I think anger is uh, very close as well. Uh, as I said, that a lot of people have sacrificed a lot. Um, they've put a, sacrificed their life work. Uh, they're sacrificing their, uh, in many cases, their uh, um, personal savings to keep their restaurants going and to keep uh, their customers safe. And then you see uh, craziness like this, and uh, anger's it's pretty close to anger for most folks. Yeah, I would be remiss, James, while I have you here if I did not ask you about the decision from the provincial government uh, that came down late last week to uh, stop bar service at 11 o'clock for restaurants, and restaurants must now be cleared out at midnight. Is that something that Restaurants Canada is supportive of, uh, understands, or do you feel as if uh, perhaps the industry is being unfairly targeted? No, we understand it. Uh, if the numbers show that, we haven't seen the numbers, and no, the government didn't talk to us. That's the only frustrating part. But if we've always said, if the government feels uh, that they have to do something to address a certain area of our of our industry, 
We'll support it. And uh, in this case, yes, those couple hours are going to hurt some businesses, uh, but it's better than the alternative of, sh- of closing the entire industry. And uh, those that uh, are, are going to be affected will will adjust their business and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully make up for it. All right. James, appreciate the time as always. Thanks so much for joining us on this Monday. Thank you, Jeff. You have a great day. You as well. There goes James Roulette, Vice President of Restaurants Canada. On that report uh, from Toronto Public Health, uh, to seven people, including five staff members at the Young Street uh, Warehouse, testing positive. Some 1,700 people with a, po- with a possible COVID exposure because of that. And as we mentioned as well, four hospitality businesses that failed to make necessary or take necessary precautions have all been closed by the City of uh, Toronto this past uh, weekend. And that's our podcast for this Monday. Thank you so much for downloading. Don't forget, you can listen to the show live weekday afternoons from 1 to 3 p.m. Eastern Time at 640toronto.com. Search for us on Spotify. Just search my name, Jeff MacArthur, or download us wherever you get your favorite podcasts.